reading from the book Praise Works, starting with page 113. A lady writes in. She says, I know there are many women who feel lonely even though they are married. But believe me, the divorced woman is the most desolate. I'm aware that a widow is a very lonely, yet her husband is gone. When a woman is divorced, her husband is around, somewhere. He's alive and breathing, but not with his family. It doesn't matter at this point who filed for the divorce. The loneliness is a devastation. Devastating. But praise the Lord, it doesn't have to be devastating. I know. Precious Jesus, I am divorced. I felt so alone almost to the point of a mental breakdown. Now I found what I was looking for. I found joy, peace without resentment. Praise God. I found out what real Christianity is. What is it like being divorced? A few months ago, I would have said it is the most terrible, horrible feeling in the world. I'm not condemning divorce, but it does happen. And, and there you are with nothing, or so you think. It does not have to be that way. Praise the Lord. If anyone feels alone for any reason, please tell them about me, especially if they are divorced. Beg them to listen. I have been divorced three years. In that time, I reached the absolute bottom of despair. I've seen my ex-husband marry the woman who helped destroy our marriage, and my children have been given to them by the court because they couldn't offer uh, a more stable home atmosphere with two parents in the home. Because they could offer. I was living in California during this part of my life. I called my mother in Florida one day and told her I thought I was cracking up. I was walking a tightrope and I was about to fall off. She told me to pray. Well, I tried to pray. Nothing happened. Then one day, a large envelope came in the family mail from mom. Inside was a copy, Prison of Praise by Marilyn Carruthers. I read it and then reread it. I called mom. I'm just not sure, I told her, what to think about that. That book. Then my mother sent me your book, Power and Praise. Praise God. That finally got me started. I praised God for everything I could think of. My divorce, the children being with their daddy, Everything, my whole attitude changed. A friend of mine said to me, What happened with you? There's such a glow in your face. And that was before I received the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. I went home to work for my father and began the most wonderful journey in my life. To the Holy Spirit and Jesus. One week after I arrived, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had been a chain smoker for two years, smoking two packs a day. The night I received the baptism, I had the nicotine habit taken from me. I have not wanted a cigarette since. Thank you, Jesus. I put the lives of my children in the Lord's hands. He has heard me. I don't know how he is doing it. I don't question it. I just know he is sending my children to me. In the meantime, I praise him for letting them be with their daddy and his wife. I feel at peace. I feel joy. I've seen miracles. My own dad, for one, he's been healed of two gastric ulcers and a haita hernia. Praise God. There is no need for anyone to worry or feel alone. 
none whatsoever. They can trust him. Step out in faith. Every sorrow and care will be gone. Hallelujah. The journey from darkness into light is so short. Once it's been made, the life behind seems so long ago. My Comments by Marilyn Carruthers A flick of a switch and light floods a dark room. A sudden realization that God will use each de detail of every experience in our life to bless us and an inner light comes on. The despair of inward darkness is gone and the peace of God moves in. Thank you, God, for providing this unfailing answer to every problem. Please help us to share it with as many people as possible. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Hebrews 13.5 Never will I, will I leave you. Never will I forsake you, says the Lord. Our next letter is called, I Ask for the Baptism. I have prayed for the baptism in the Holy Spirit and have been aching to receive it. I am surprised to hear that other people say they do not want to speak in tongues, for I would be glad to do this or anything God wanted me to do. Others have prayed for me several times, but I have received nothing. My question is, how can I possibly praise the Lord that I have not received what I know would help me to be a better witness for Christ? The author responds, Many people are confused about what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is and are guilty of disbelieving Christ's promises. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus promised, If you then know how to give good gift to your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is a simple, straightforward promise that many people have tried to complicate. Jesus meant it when he said, ask with your heart and God will provide. But I haven't spoken in tongues yet, many have told me. Isn't speaking in tongues one of the signs I should receive? Yes, this is correct. It, it, the emphasis is placed on the word should. Our lack of faith can hold us back, hold back this gift. But that does not nullify Christ's promise. When you have earnestly asked God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, believe that He has. Believe that all the gifts of the Spirit are dwelling with you and will be made manifest according to your faith. If someone asks, Have you received the baptism? Your answer should be, Yes, I have. This is a step of faith that God will surely honor. Thank Him for what He has done and then praise Him. Let your praise be in your heart and on your lips. If someone asks you, have you received a new language? Your answer should be a strong positive yes. This is merely confirming what Jesus said. And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. Mark 16, 17. We are not supposed to require evidence before we believe his promises. Rejoice in your heart and know that God has given you through his spirit the new language he wants you to have plus the freedom to use all the gift of the Spirit as the need arises. What shall you say if someone asks you at this point, Have you ever prayed in tongues? You should give a firm 
unembarrassed? No, I haven't used my new prayer language yet, but I believe God has given it to me. God always honors this kind of faith. Keep your heart and mind open to listen to the Holy Spirit within you. You will see and hear words that, you not, that do not at first mean anything to you. Open your mouth and speak them. You may explode in joy or you may feel nothing. You are being obedient to Christ and he will take care of the feelings in his own time. He wants you first to grow in faith. The baptism in the Holy Spirit was designed by God to help you grow in your walk with the Lord. Satan may whisper to you, you only made those words up in your mind. Quickly give your mind to God and tell him, Father, you have my mind and I want you to use it for your glory. Then proceed to let the Holy Spirit use your tongue to talk to God. You may have one word or many. The numbers are important. Your faith in Christ the numbers are unimportant. Your faith in Christ is what is important. It was through faith in Christ that you receive eternal life. It is through faith in Christ that God gives you baptism in the Holy Spirit. When Abraham believed God, God promised to use him to build a mighty nation. God's plan has always been for a man to believe him. Whenever he finds a man or a woman who will believe, he pours out his blessing upon them. Speaking in tongues is a result of your faith in God. You believe and God gives. He does not give sparingly or grudgingly, but he can give only to those who will believe and trust him. But he can give only to those who believe and trust him. If you have been honestly seeking the Lord or seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you know that Christ is your Savior, you can at this moment believe that His promise is fulfilled in you. Do not doubt for any reason, and soon rivers of living water will be flowing from within you. Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John seven thirty seven and 38. Jesus stood and cried out, saying in a loud voice, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Our next letter is called He Can Do It For Anybody. In 1970, sometime toward the end of the year, my pastor played the tape from a full gospel businessman meeting. Later, a friend had the tape, and I listened to it again. But since my problems at that time were so enormous, I had little understanding. A few weeks after my husband left me with a three-year-old and seven-week-old baby, I was told of your book. A friend offered to take me to the bookstore that day, and I bought the last copy of Prison of Praise. I read it through in a few hours, but the next three days, even with 
tears and an aching heart, I praised God. Nothing happened until the night of the third day while I was thinking about God. Something inside me broke, and I began to bubble. Then the bubble laughed and laughed. This lasted for three days, and when I came down, it was too normal, not the horrible depression I had before. Then through the horrible nightmarish days that follow, I try to keep praising God and giving thanks and obedience to his word. I had put so many barriers up that God had to pull down to get through to me. Having been absolutely broken, I nearly lost my mind, but God was holding on to it. Then I set my mind to feed on his word. As often as I had coffee, I read his word, mainly the Psalms. I saw that no matter how David felt or what was going on, he ended up praising God. As I praised, I was filled with joy, his joy. The joy healed my mind. I was 100% better after the first week. About six weeks later, I bought Power and Praise and was thrilled that you were teaching about some of the things God had taught me. God gave me understanding as to what he had done in my life and why. I thought my world had come to an end when my husband turned his back on God. Now I have hope and the faith and trust to let God work. Nothing can happen to the three of us without God allowing it. And whatever happens will bring glory to him and blessing to us. I don't know if you can appreciate to the fullest what God has done because it's hard to tell how bad life was for me. I gave, it, gave up many times and twice tried suicide. Certainly it was the Holy Spirit that protected and sustained me. Because I survived through so many problems, I can understand others and tell them that I know praising God works. I done it, rather God done it in me for his glory. Many times I had to make myself swallow tears and say, Praise the Lord, just last Friday I arrived at work and found I no longer had a job. I said, Praise the Lord. It was my first thought and response. That's what God has done for me. I know if God can make a happy Christian out of me, he can do it for anybody. My comments. The author writes, no sudden change in the situation. No sudden change in the situation. Nothing radical, just a growing assurance that God is watching over us. This is the best result we can have in praising God. Most people are excited about the abrupt transformation power of praise. It excited me too. But I am even more excited over the possibility of growing in solid faith in God. This faith demands no outward manifestation. God's power, it says, I trust God. You, I trust you, Lord, whether you change my situation or not. Rejoice if you have learned that God trusts you to trust him. Psalm 126.5 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joyful shouting. Amen. All right, all right. What I got out of these readings on Fernando is that we're to take a promise from God's word and memorize it and say it 
and believe it's ours as a done thing, like it's, it's already finished. There's so many promises we can take, pick up out of the Bible, lift them up, and we'll start to believe on them. I think they call it logos and rhema, something in that nature. Logos is the way we see it. Rhema is when it comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from God through our spirit. It's a spiritual transformation. Then it's rhema, a rhema word. So we have the, cap the capacity to uh, brew, to cook, to heat up some promises and get them deep down in our heart. One of the most beautiful promises <clears throat> that I'm working on right now is, is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. Amazing scripture of promises that we need to believe. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's reading. I'll see you in the next one. Welcome to today's podcast. Good morning. My name is Fernando. I am a grateful member of the 12-step program movement. Today I'm going to be reading from a couple of books and I'm going to be fast too. I got to Got to be quick. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. November 24th. I'm Fernando. Uh, let us say the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Today, I'm reading to you from a book called Hope for Today. It says, if I want what you have, I need to become willing to do what you have done. For me, this is the central center of any 12-step practice of sponsorship. While growing up in an alcoholic environment, I had become afraid of people and mistrustful of intimacy. Initially, I resisted many of the program suggestions. It took me a long time to get a sponsor, but eventually, because I wanted what one particular person had, I asked them what they had done to achieve it. They be eventually became my sponsor. My recovery accelerated as I became willing to ask for another member's help. Today I am blessed to have a sponsor and to be a sponsor for others. I am one link in a great chain of people helping people. Having once felt incredibly alone and isolated, I am no now connected once again with humanity. The roles of sponsor and sponsee have taught me so much about normal, loving human relationships. I have learned how to practice unconditional love and emotional detachment, how to set healthy boundaries, how to care for people without taking care of them, how to care for people without taking care of them, and how to let others get close to me without losing myself. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Today's thought for the day, sponsorship works when people love themselves enough to ask for help and when others love themselves enough to say yes. The most important thing is to be willing to reach out and ask for the help we need, human to human. And This is a quote from uh, how Eleanor works for families and friends of alcoholics, page 37. Highly recommended uh, uh, information as you go out and 
our subconscious minds are starving for new information, especially those of us who've been 30 years in AA. We can certainly use some new material. All right, our next reading for today is 24-hour little book for November 24th, 4th. AA thought for the day. Instead of pretending to be perfectionists in the program, we are content if we are making progress. The main thing is to be growing. We realize that perfectionism is only a result of false pride and an excuse saved to save our faces. In the program, we are willing to make mistakes and to stumble provide we, provided we are always stumbling forward. We are not so interested in what we are as in what we are becoming. We are on the way, not at the goal, uh, not arriving at the goal, and we will be on the way as long as we live. No 12-step has ever arrived, but we are getting better at making progress. Meditation for today. Each new day brings an opportunity to do something little thing that will help to make a better world. What that will bring God's kingdom a little nearer to being realized on earth. The good. Take each day's happening as opportunities for something you can do for God. In, the, in that spirit or others. A blessing will attend all that you do. Offering this day's service to God, you are sharing in His work. You do not have to do great things. Now, prayer for the day. I pray that today I may do the next thing, the next indicated thing, the unselfish thing, the loving thing. I pray that I may be content with doing small things as long as they're right. All right. For me, is to love you and say thank you and give you a hug. Happy Thanksgiving. I'm your friend. I love you. Hey, we can do this thing. Stay positive. Count the blessings. Accentuate the positive. I think there's a song. There's another song in the old days, I Can See Forever, something like that. Anyway, gratitude uh, breeds gratitude or love. Thank you. Let's count our blessings on this Thanksgiving. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Our Father, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Greetings, welcome to today's podcast. Let's go ahead and get started with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right now, first reading for the day is Daily Reflections. Happy Thanksgiving, 24th of November. Or, um, anyway, I guess Thanksgiving is tomorrow, huh? (laughs) How about Thanksgiving week? A universal search, daily reflections. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 87. 
I do not claim to have all the answers in spiritual matters any more than I claim to have all the answers about alcoholism. There are others who are also engaged in spiritual search. If I keep an open mind about what others have to say, I have much to gain. My sobriety is greatly enriched and my practice of the 11th step more fruitful. When I use both the literature and practices of my Judeo-Christian tradition and the resources of other religions, thus I receive support from many sources in staying away from the first drink. And in our AA Big Book, it says, Look to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. I believe it's in uh, page 87 or something of our AA Big Book. And now let's <clears throat> switch over to um, today's uh, Faith to Faith from um, Kenny Copeland. Let your light shine by Gloria Copeland today. Be an example of the people that believe in word by conversation, by love, by spirit, by faith, by purity. 1 Timothy 4.12 Let your actions speak louder than your words. Gloria Copeland goes to say, One thing the world needs to see is good examples. They need to see people walking in love and purity and faith in their homes, in their meetings, in schools, in their works. The Apostle Paul exhorts us in Romans 12, 17 to live above reproach in the sight of all people. Other scriptures teach us about avoiding all appearances of evil. <clears throat> so when you go after God don't or the program, don't walk out on the edge trying to see how much you can get by with. Go out in the right direction, God's direction. Conduct yourself in a way that will put to rest any question about whether or not you're a, a, a member or a Christian. Let the people around you see your love and faith and purify in every situation. Purity. For example, you will go a lot further than your words. Example, you will go a lot further than your words. When our son John was a little boy, we were spending time at my grandparents. John was sleeping with my granddaddy, and he woke him up in the night and said, Pop, I have an earache. Will you pray for it? Well, my grandparents were raised in a church that didn't believe in healing. I don't know what Pop did, but it didn't work. So John just got up and said, I'm going to go to get in bed with my mother. When she prays, it stops hurting. About 18 years later, Pop told me that story. You see, I had an example of faith and love, and John remembered it. While your children are growing up, they might forget some of the sermons you preach or act like they're not interested in the things of God, but they'll never forget your example. Even at the place where you work or go to school or in the meetings, just in your neighborhood, people might reject or argue with the words you say, but they'll never refuddle or forget the, your, acts of, your actions of love. Don't let pity sins and resentments and spiritual compromises cast a shadow over your example. Live above reproach and let the light of Jesus shine brightly through you. 
Additional reading is Romans 12, 9 through 21. All right, let's go over there. Romans 12, chapter 9, verse 221. Let's see what that entails. In other words, I won't let the, um, the negative people eat my lunch. I'll have my lunch myself. Thank you very much. They don't want anything to do with it. That's fine with me. More for me. You know, um, negativity and being angry all the time uh, is um, a proud people badge of honor for some people. Let's say Romans 12, verse 9. This is love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourself few and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expect it. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be attentive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with, with your happy friends when they are happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures, our words, tells us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he is thirsty, get him a drink of water. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. Huh. Cool stuff, huh? And now we're going to be reading Limitless Love for November 3rd. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that we need live in a nation that allows us to get together and, and worship and praise God at our own understanding. Here we go. Limitless love. Give God some real glory. This is by Gloria Copeland. Her scripture is Matthew 15 verses 29 to 31. Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And a great multitude came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many other, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, and the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified God the God of Israel. Matthew 15, 29-31 It's amazing to me that any saint person could ever think that our wonderful loving God could get glory from the sickness, poverty, or pain of his children. But the fact is, some people do. So when the devil comes along and attacks them, robbing them of the blessing of their inheritance in Jesus instead of fighting him, they just lie down and let him run over them. I guess I'm just suffering for the Lord, they'll say. 
I'll just try to be sweet and grateful for it so I can show the world how much I love God and bring glory to Him. Don't ever let that kind of thinking get a hold of you on you. It's own it's not only unscriptural, it, it totally maligns the character and nature of God. Instead of portraying him as a tender and infinitely loving father who wants to do nothing but good to his children, for his children, that kind of theology presents God as a cruel, unfeeling tyrant who somehow gets pleasure out of the suffering of his own obedient people. It only grieves the heart of God. It drives the unbelieving world even further away from Him. The world is not impressed with how we suffer. They aren't looking for a God who will help them suffer sickness more gratefully. They aren't looking for a God who will afflict them with poverty and pain and then give them strength to endure it. The world is looking for a way out of these things. They're looking for healing. They're looking for deliverance. They're searching desperately for a way to live and be blessed. If you want to glorify God, allow His healing, deliverance, and prospering power to work fully in you. When the devil comes to steal God's blessings, right? Fight him hard with faith and the word. Hold on tightly on what belongs to you in Jesus Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Hold your ground until the full manifestation of God's blessing breaks through you, through in your life and your body is healed and whole. Your family is happy and blessed and your finances are flowing abundantly. Become a living demonstration of the love of God so that others can see it and God can truly be glorified in you. Hold your ground until the full manifestation of God's blessing. Hold your ground. Break through in your life and your body is healed and whole. Your family is happy and blessed and your finances are flowing abundantly. Become a living demonstration of the love of God so that others can see it and God can truly be glorified in you. Gloria Copeland. All right, now it takes work to do that, don't it? You can't just sit there and uh, and turn down the TV or microwave. You got to get their pen and, uh, and paper and write those promises down over and over again, and and move them into memory as our default setting. Then we will have faith, hope, belief on those scriptures, and they will come to life. God bless you. I love you. Give them. Give them the word. Give them program. Thank you, everyone, for coming to today's uh, podcast on reading the big book of Alcoholic Anonymous. My name is Fernando. Uh, my buddy Rick is here with us, and we're going to do our best to read a few paragraphs to get us started for the day. Let's go ahead and uh, say the, uh, the serenity prayer, followed by the Our Father, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Who woke us up this morning? God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and start on page 62 once again, please. Repetition is the mother of of somebody. <laughs> Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us without provocation, but we invariably find that sometime in the past, we made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourself, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot. Though he usually doesn't think so, above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of the selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible, and there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce ourselves in it as much by wishing or trying on our own power. We have to have God's help. This is how the why. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we had to desire in the after the drama of life. God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple. This concept was a keystone and a new triumph of art the past of freedom. When we sincerely took a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all powerful, we provided what we needed to keep close to him and perform his work well. Establishing such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves and little plans designed. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life as we felt a new power flow in. Uh, as we enjoyed peace of mind, we discovered that we could face life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, thereafter, before we were <clears throat> We were now at step three. Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, of thy love, of thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready. We could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. When ready, we say something like this, my creator, now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I now pray that you remove me from every single character, the of character which has my way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength so I go out there to your pity. Amen. We have now completed step seven. Page 86, please. Uh, 86? Yes, uh-huh. Not awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead and consider our plans for the day before we begin. 
we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking to, to divorce us from self-pitying designs and self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental uh, faculties with insurance for, after all, God gives brings to use. Our thought life will become placed on a much higher plane when this sort of thing, when our thinking is clear of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We might not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration. An intuitive thought or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption with all sorts of observed actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. prayer and show out throughout the day that what our next step is to be <clears throat> that we are being given whatever we need to take care of such problems we especially ask for freedom of self-will and are careful to make no request for ourselves only we may ask for ourselves however if others are to be helped we are careful never to pray for our own selfish hands many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that and it doesn't work you can easily see why if circumstances warrant, we ask our wives and friends in morning meditation to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious domination which requires definite morning devotion, we attend that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes memorize and select a few step prayers which emphasize the principles that we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions of these may be obtained by one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are much less then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions, we become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. All right, let's go ahead and go to uh, 416, please. It helped me a great deal. It helped a great deal to convince alcoholism with disease without a moral issue. I had been drinking on a result of a compulsion, even though I have not been aware of the compulsion at the time. But as to it was not a matter of willpower, the pimple of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, and I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. There was a, sense of, a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, uh, except it has been proven the key to my drinking problem after I've tried, been around AA for seven months, tinkering off of alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well. I was finally able to say, okay, God, it's true. Of all people, stranger may seem, even though I didn't get my impression, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts, and it's all right with me now. What am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem, began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not one single compulsion to drink. 
And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, or situation as exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in my attitudes. Let's go ahead and jump to uh, 420, please. Perhaps the best thing of all for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely proportional to my expectations. And the higher my expectation of Max and other people are, the lower is my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations, but then my rights try to move in, and they too can force my serenity level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself, how important is it really? How important is it compared to my serenity, my emotional sobriety? And when I place more value on my serenity and sobriety than anything else, than anything else, I can maintain them at a higher level, at least for the time being. Acceptance is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for Him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever's in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to Him, however it turns out. That's God's will for me. I must keep my magic magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectations. For my serenity is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I never had it so good. Thank God for AA. Page 552, please. He said, in effect, if you have a resentment you want to be free of, and you will pray for that person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for them, to be given to you, everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their help, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free, even if you don't really want it for them, and your prayers are only words, and you don't need it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks, and you will find you have to come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that we're used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then, it worked for me every time since then. It will work for me every time I'm willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask for willingness, but it always two cups. Because it works for me, it will work for all of us. And another great man says, going real freedom of a human being could ever know is doing what he has to do because he wants to do it. This great experience has released me from the bottoms of hatred and replaced it with with love is really just another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need from Alcoholics Anonymous and everything I need I get when I get what I need I I find invariably find it was just what I wanted all the time. Page 100 please. Both, <laughs> both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live 
in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstance. 83, please. Thing about the transition of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and new happiness. We will not regret the past or shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others and the feeling of usefulness and self, and self pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellow self seeking will still wait. Our whole attitude towards the outlook of our life will change. Fear of people, economic insecurity will leave us, and we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We are now suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled amongst them. sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Amen. Page 85, please. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle fault. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, direction from him, from, from him who has all knowledge and power. We are careful. We, if we have carefully followed directions, we can begin to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become God-conscious and we've begun to develop a vital success, but we must go further. That means more action. Page 43, please. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. The end. Beautiful. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, have a good one. Will you be on Thanksgiving morning? Will you be on Thanksgiving morning? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. All right. Did, did we, okay. like they say, did we drink on Thanksgiving Day? <laughs> yeah, we drank. Yeah, you bet. Um, it would be great. Let's go. Let's go ahead and finish it off with the uh, because it's a special day today with the uh, the set aside prayer for Anthony. Good morning, Anthony. Morning. Yeah, we got the set aside here to give us a good day today. He says, "Lord, help me to set aside everything I think I know about you, everything I think I know about myself, everything I think I know about others, and everything I think I know about my own recovery." For a new experience in you, Lord, for a brand new experience in myself, a brand new experience with my fellow man, and a much needed new experience in my recovery. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs> great, great, remarkable things will happen today. I don't know how, but let's keep looking for them. Have a great day, guys. Take care. Take care, Anthony. Bye, Rick. Bye.
I'm Fernando. I'm an alcoholic. I noticed right here in our reading, I apologize for all the back noise and so forth. I haven't figured out how to mute uh, where the noise is coming from. But if you're after the program uh, for recovery, uh, I, I desire fear for you. Healthy fear against the first drink. I know I, I experienced that. I experienced not having a defense or a program against the wiles of drinking and brawling and uh, almost dying out there. I remember that <clears throat> twice that that fear hit me so hard. Um, you know, one of them was I had just came out of the war. I called it the war in San Diego, drinking so much, losing so much weight and being uh, your skin is really thin because of the alcohol taking away all your minerals and everything. You bleed easily. You can see the uh, veins in your face because of the drinking so much. And I, uh, I, re I remember I had starved <clears throat> a lot of uh, starvations from drinking. No food. Lost a lot of weight. <clears throat> and then I, when I decided to give up that town and go back to my mom's house... I would remember sitting on the back edge of the window. It was a beautiful spring day, and I was looking at the grass, and it was a long yard, about 300 feet, and I'm just thinking, isn't that beautiful, the sun and the air, and uh, and I'm thinking, wow, you know. And they gave me, uh, they came and they gave me some enchiladas, a little bean, a little rice and everything, and I was so grateful, so thankful to have um, the opportunity to be part of a family. So happy Thanksgiving, people. Thank you to my family, <clears throat> or the family that God put us in. And you, if your family is not around, we have good memories. <clears throat> you know, I have good memories today. Uh, and the, the second time that I had uh, a fear of not having a program and I was doing good, and someone suggested I should go out and dance. And a fear hit me. God, I don't want to go out there no more. I'm, I'm doing good. I, I, I'm doing good in my job. I'm doing good. And just, and a fear hit me. I did, and I almost killed myself again. Bought a motorcycle, drank on the motorcycle, <clears throat> all the craziness, lost the job, wrecked the truck. The whole thing, the whole gamut happened all over again. and But <clears throat> the, the only difference is that this time, in this DUI, and, and understanding uh, common sense, good-hearted, with a lot of gillards, a lot of guts, webbles, they call it, <clears throat> attorney sent me to ask the judge to send me to a recovery program, Antibuse and Alcoholic Anonymous. And he saved my life, and he saved the lives of uh, all the ones around me, family members, a lot, of, a lot of people today are in recovery. A lot of uh, classes were started because of my recovery. Um, over 100 people go to some of those uh, ideas that I put together as far as uh, starting new new. Uh, new AA groups and places and things. Um, so remarkable, remarkable things have happened for sobriety. And God gets all the credit, right? Actually, it was 
he had to beat me to the to the dust through my acceptance. I had to accept that I was alcoholic. I was accept accept that I was allergic to alcohol. I had to accept that every time the uh, the drink came to me, I almost died. On people almost died around me. I had to accept that. Once I accepted it, and I realized on step one that I was a clearly bona fide alcoholic. Uh, and that I didn't know nothing, you know. I didn't have any information in my hard drive. What was running my life was an ego, selfishness, self-centeredness. And that, my friend, is, is a very greedy way to live life. So I thank God for the program. Thank God he beat the snot out of me as a father would. Expect it as he loves me. If a father loves us, he'll beat the snot out of us through alcohol or problems, or even our own mouth will do it. Take care. God bless you. Thank you for coming in. Let's go ahead and pray out with the, uh, huh, we did all the prayers we could, huh? How about the, the Lord is my shepherd, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are right beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Lord has anointed my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It works if you work it. Reading from the book, Praise Works, page 133. Our next letter is called Suicide. I went to a hotel and rented a room with one purpose in mind. I wanted a private place to take my life. When the bellboy left, I started my preparations. I sat at a desk to write my farewell letter to the world I hated so much. On the desk was a bright colored book that caught my eyes, Prison to Praise. I had been in prison, so I picked it up to see what another poor soul might have been through. As I read your story, my eyes filled with tears, and I couldn't put it down. Your story did something to me that I thought would never happen. It made me believe there was a God. Lying on the floor and asking God to do something for me, I heard a voice that said, Look for a Bible. I got up and found one there in the room, a Gideon one. On the first page I opened to, I saw, You must be born again. I didn't know what it meant, but I asked God to do that for me. And something, something happened inside. I began to laugh and laugh like I never had laughed before in my life. Suddenly, I was so happy I wanted to tell the world, the whole world, what God had done for me. I went down to the lobby and tried to tell someone. Everyone acted as if they thought I was drunk. I went back to my room and read the Bible all night. I didn't know it was such a great book. I didn't know it was such a great book.
Thank you for writing your book. It saved my life, or it gave me a new one. Now I can even praise God for the old one. <laughs> Carotter's comments. Many of us know that the Bible is God's holy word, but it isn't much use to tell us this to many others. But it isn't much use to tell this to many others. If they don't believe us, they will not read it. If they do believe, they might say, so what, and still never read it. We need to get books into people's hands that will help them to believe that the Bible has the answer to their needs. I may never know who plays, placed that copy of Prison of Praise in a hotel room, but whoever you are, thank you. Do you know a hotel, motel, prison, hospital, or military post where there are people who need to be turned on to the Bible and set free from their prison? Jesus came to give us to us the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Isaiah 61.3 Jesus came to give us the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Our next story is called Prison Guard. I asked myself a thousand times why I ever decided to become a prison guard. I believe it is the hardest job a man could have. For 11 years, I wondered each day I came to work if that would be the day I would get a knife on my back. I think everyone likes to work in a pleasant place, but this place has been anything but pleasant. We've been overcrowded and poorly equipped ever since I have been here. The prisoners have always been angry and seem on the edge of riot. We, we had to be on constant alert and usually went home dead tired. I took my weariness and frustrations and fears out on my family, and even being at home was like being in another prison. Then I noticed that one of the prisoners had a complete change of attitude. He was getting his food one day when I saw him smile and say, Praise the Lord! The food was especially bad that day, and I wondered what he was planning. I watched him carefully to see what he might do next. As he ate, he kept on smiling as if he knew something good was going to happen. Naturally, this worried me, so I, I told the other guards to be on their toes. This went on for several days, and then I heard another man saying, Praise the Lord! When he was assigned a job none of the men liked, my curiosity got the better of me, and I asked him, Why did you say that? He said, I read a book that Joe has, and I'm feeling better today already. Joe was the man I had noticed first. I went to him and asked him to see the book. It was Prison of Praise. I looked to see if it was approved by the librarian. He had signed it. When my curiosity could stand it any longer, I asked Joe to let me read his book. <laughs> it had been read so often that the adhesive tape held the pages together, but I got the message. From that time on, I noticed a continuing change in the entire block. More and more men came to work singing, 
They laughed and joked. I came to work feeling good and go and go home feeling even better. If you can spare some copies of Prison of Praise, I will be glad to share them with other parts of this prison. The chaplain says he isn't supposed to solicit anything for free, but no one has told me I can't do it for it. God bless you. If, if you are helping others like you have helped me and the men here, please keep it up. I've been going to church all my life, but I never believed in God like I do now. Carotter's Comments There are very few correctional institutions in our country that have happy people in them. Overcrowding, insufficient staff, and unhealthy living conditions are common. But the heart of the problem is men and women without hope of ever finding anything better. Nearly every man was unhappy when he went in, and in spite of his most optimistic dreams, he knew that life will be even tougher when he gets out. What incentive does he have to do better? Usually none. Religion may be a dirty word for him, but he will respond to the love of Jesus. Anything we can do to reach into his heart with the good news of the gospel will be rewarded. Recently, I sent a large supply of prisoner praise to this guard. He has noticed, he has since told me that there is a spiritual move in his prison more powerful than anything he has ever witnessed before or on the outside. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The time of refreshing may be come from the Lord. Acts 3.19 Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Our next story is called I began to search. Six months ago, as our marriage began to go on the rocks, I started searching for God's will. My husband, our seven-year-old daughter, and I were at a major crossroads. There was another woman in my husband's life. I was floored. I had never expected such a thing to happen. I thought we were so devoted to each other. Our friends were also flabbergasted. Our marriage seemed the most perfect in our crowd. I did my best to get my husband to stay away, to stay with me, but he refused, claiming that he loved the other woman. When he moved in with her, I tried to trust the Lord. It wasn't easy. They had lived together for a week when power and praise was given to me. After a few pages, I praised the Lord for all of this in my life. I thank him for the other woman. I thank him that my husband had left me. The Holy Spirit blessed and overwhelmed me, and I left as if I were speaking in a new language. I kept on searching for God's will. I filed for divorce, and the papers were served on my husband Tuesday night of this week. I never expected to see him again, as I knew his anger toward me would be terrible. But the next day he came to see me. We really talked, and he told me many things I had been doing for years that irked him. I saw God telling me these things. Now my husband wants to come home. Praise the God who loves us. 
I have lots of doubts and fears in a way, but I know that God can and will work everything out for our good. The battle is God's, not mine, and he knows best. I know that he is going to show us great and mighty things. I stand expectantly upon the promises he gave me in Jeremiah 33.3. Call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things. I do praise God for everything. Call unto me and I will show you great and mighty things you do not, you do not know of. Jeremiah 33.3. Carotter's Comments. What will the outside outcome be? The important thing is that another child of God has made a step toward trusting him rather than the conditions of their life. Think of the power there is in praising God, the blessing of his presence, his joy and peace. It is any wonder that God permits even that will help us learn to praise him. There is nothing like adversity to force us to learn what it means to trust God. He knows this, whether you and I understand it or not. He will allow Satan to stir up whatever trouble will cause us to recognize our need to walk closer to him. When adversity is raging, the human being often thinks, if God will solve this problem. Yeah, I, I would really be happy, but this isn't true. We find our joy in praising and rejoicing in Him. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, Call unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty nine New King James Version. Call unto me and I and you. Call unto me and you who labor and are heavy laden. All of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Page 140, Praise Works. Our next letter is called Happy in Prison. The chaplain here at Los Angeles County Jail gave me prison to praise and power in praise. When I finished reading them, I invited Jesus into my heart as my personal Savior. Anyhow, I heard those words somewhere and they sounded like what happened to me. Jesus is my personal to me now. Jesus is personal. I know he saves me from my sins. On the same day, I had here in my cell what you call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was if in my mind became alive again. I'm free in Christ. God has set me free in jail. On the outside, I was always in prison. I'm only 21, but it seems as if I had been in prison for a hundred years. I was, <clears throat> I was always mad at someone for making life so miserable for me. 
Now I know it wasn't people who made me miserable. It was the devil, and I didn't even believe in him. Unless God changes things, I'll be behind bars for a long while. But don't feel sorry for me. I'm the happiest I've been in all my life. For, my, for the first time, I'm glad to be alive. The policeman who busted me would never believe what a favor he did for me. There are so many unhappy people here, and I'm trying to help them. I'll be moving to a new place soon, and I know God will make it the right place. Pray that my coming days will help others to be thankful and to know our Savior. Carotter's Comments when I begin a new day, I often think of the men behind bar who are praying for an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus. Their freedom is limited, and they must be ready to give a few words of the good news. When the opportunity comes, when that moment passes, the fellow prisoners will move into his own private prison. If you have unlimited opportunities to move about and share Christ with others, Please pray that God will give you a heart to respond to every opportunity. <clears throat> Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. 2 Timothy 4, 2 and 3. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. For the time will come when they will not endure Sound Doctrine. Our next letter is called Crying in Prison. I hope you get this letter. <clears throat> I read Prisoner Praise here in jail. I will be going to prison after my trial, for I am guilty and will admit it. I know I have to pay for what I did, but I know the Lord will help me do it the best way possible. <clears throat> I feel strange after writing the last sentence. I never written or spoken about the Lord before, and I can hardly believe it is me writing. Christians were a big nothing to me before I came here. Their big churches and fancy clothes turned me off. I didn't have anything decent and couldn't understand why I was always so poor. I was mad about many other things too. But the man in the cell next to me handed me a book a few days ago and said, You need this more than I did. When I saw it was something about religion, I, I did not want to read it. But I didn't have anything else to read. The more I read it, the crazier I felt. I can't remember when I cried before that, but I sure made up for a lost time. I wasn't unhappy either. You had been like me. You had found a way out. I started knowing that I could, too. What a feeling that was. I had hoped for the first time that life could be better for me. While I was reading Prisoner Praise, the fellow who gave it to me hollered, What do you think of it? I couldn't answer him right away because I didn't want him to know I had been crying, but when I didn't answer, he guessed why. Are you crying too? He asked me. I was able to get out. What do, what do you mean? He said. I know. I cried the whole way through it. 
After I finished the book, we talked about our past life, and then he said, Could we do it too? Do what? Become churchgoers. No, I said, that isn't for me. I don't want to be a churchgoer. Then he said he didn't want to either, but he wanted to be different from what he had been. We talked until we agreed that we wanted to become Christians. I don't know if we did anything right or not, but something really happened to us. I know I'm a Christian now. I'm glad I came to jail. I'm glad for all things that happened to you, sir, and glad for everything that brought me here. If you have more books, please send them to me. I'll share them with the fellows in the next cell. He still has many problems, but we just keep saying, praise the Lord, and he hasn't complained once since we believed in God and Jesus. Carotter's Comments Yes, more books are on the way. People all over the United States are providing them for this man and others like him. I'm pleased that he didn't decide to became, become just a church goer. He has found Jesus, and that is far more important wherever he goes in prison. There will be many unhappy men who he can help. He belongs to God now, and the Holy Spirit will give him the right words to minister the transforming power of the good news about Jesus. Don't be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in the hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Mark thirteen eleven. Do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Please stay humble. Next letter. As a teacher of young married ladies, I am always seeking ways of growing in grace and knowledge that I might help them do the same. I'm a firm believer that you cannot teach what you do not know and cannot lead where you will not go. Therefore, I look for books and helps of all kinds. I have Christian friends with whom I exchange these books. This is how I came to read Prison of Praise and Power in Praise, how they have changed my life. The first time reading left me a bit doubtful the second reading more interested, but by the third time around, I'm convinced I am now giving your books to others. I have never written to any author before, but felt that the Lord wanted me to tell you what a blessing your books have been to me and others. After reading Answers to Praise, I felt a real need to pray for you, that you would stay humble and give all the glory to God. May be the thought was unmerited. How easy it would be for you to get puffed up with vainglory from people thanking you and praising you for all your wonderful help. May you, con <clears throat> you continue to be used of the Lord as his servant as long as you live. <clears throat> Carotter's Comments I am very thankful for those who pray that God will keep me humble. I tremble at the thought of my even starting to think that I am anything important. 
I know that I am the least deserving of all God's children, but I am not always praised. Another woman wrote, I can tell you by the way you write that you are extremely proud of yourself. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, what is weak to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 29. Again, let me read that again. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. To shame the wise. What is weak to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to things that are, that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. Hmm. Another letter is called Searching. I am the wife of an alcoholic, a retired army man. I accepted Christ as a teenager but drifted away through the years. My husband was not a Christian and it was very easy for me to join the crowd with him. After his retirement, the drinking became worse and I knew I must get back to God to keep my sanity. My father was a Methodist minister and I knew that God was my source of strength, but it has not been easy. For over two years, I struggled to regain the feeling of forgiveness that I knew when I accepted Christ as a teenager. I went to church faithfully, went to the altar often, and prayed and was prayed for by my minister. I joined a special sharing group and received much peace. But every time my husband went on a drinking bout, I became depressed, filled with anger, panic, hate, and fear. I would lose my feelings of closeness to God. One morning, a couple of weeks ago, I told my minister how I felt, and he handed me your book, Prison to Praise. He told me not to read it too fast, but I could not put it down. I finished it before I went to sleep that night. Somewhere in the middle of the book, I got out of bed and fell to my knees. I poured out my soul to God and praised Him for my life, as it is. I realized what had happened. I realized that what he had let happen in my life had brought me back to him. An indescribable peace and joy came over me that I have never known before. The next day was Sunday, and I was so full of joy and love at church. I am praising God for my husband for his affliction and asking God to open his eyes to the truth. Carotter's comments. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor, for sharing prison to praise with this woman. Thank you, God, for helping this wife to believe. If you want God to do things for you, please do not hinge your faith on what he does for you. I know of no quicker way to stop God from working in your life than for you to insist you will believe after he does what you want. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4 The just shall live by faith. Our next letter 
letter is called My Minister. I gave prisoner praise to our minister. When I asked him if he had read it, he said, yes, it was a good book. But do you believe in praying in tongues? Yes, I do. Please do not distribute that book around the church, he said quietly, quite sternly. Why? I asked. I believe speaking in tongues is of the devil, and I do not want our people reading anything that will make them interested in it. I was quiet, quite taken back, and at first was really angry. Did he think I was going to contaminate the church? Then I realized that by getting angry, I was playing into the devil's hand. I thank the Lord that my minister was exactly as he was. I believe God would do whatever needs to be done to help him be filled with the Holy Spirit. I asked several others in our church with whom I had shared your book to meet with me. We agreed to keep praising the Lord for our minister, to help him in every way we could, and to believe God would do something great. Then an amazing thing happened. The richest and best loved man of our church received a copy of Prisoner of Praise from his son. He went to, to the pastor and asked him to read it. When the pastor expressed strong misgivings about the book, he said, Let's get his other books and see what we think of them. The pastor agreed. And they both read your power and praise and answers to praise. The man, that, the man then contacted me and asked me what I thought of them. Praise the Lord, I told him, how much I love praising the Lord and how richly God had blessed me since I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I invited him to attend some of our weekly meetings to see what the Lord was doing. Again, he went to the pastor and said, I want to see what is going on within our church. Please go to one of these meetings with me so we can see for ourselves. To our delight, the pastor agreed to come. You probably know what happened. He came once and then he came back again. He said later he only wanted to come to learn what we were doing wrong. But before long, he asked us to pray for him and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had never seen him really laugh. But he laughed so long when he received the baptism that I thought he would never stop. <laughs> Carotter's Comments There is a story about a man who stood on the bank of a stream laughing at the people who were in, in swimming. He got too close, he slipped and fell in. Thank the Lord for laymen who had learned not to get upset with their minister and are wise enough to refrain from trying to convince him. They have learned to praise God for their pastor exactly as he is, and to encourage him at every opportunity. Of course, your praise to God may push him into the stream, but it isn't what you want. But isn't it that what you want? Encourage one another and build each other up. First Thessalonians 5.11 Encourage one another and build each other up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Our next story is called, I Was an Alcoholic. My life was one continuous tangle of drunkenness. I had been in all the jails and hospitals for alcoholics in the Atlanta area. 
I had a suicidal complex and my psychiatrist predicted I would jump out of a hotel window. He told my family to write me off as a lost cause. He refused to see me again since I was drunk every time I went to his office. Then on a cold, sleety Sunday afternoon in March, a dear saint with a compassionate heart began witnessing to me about Jesus. My teeth shattered with the cold. I was about to shrug him off and when he took off his coat, put it around my shoulders and continued to claim me for Jesus. That impressed me and I started to pay attention to what he was saying. Praise God, he would not let me go. I had already had my throat cut been stabbed, I strongly believed this was my last chance for salvation. On that day, God gave me complete victory over alcohol, and my life has been wonderful for many years. Last October, I read Prisoner Praise. I bought many copies since then, then followed a deep hunger for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I read and studied and prayed night and day when nothing seemed to happen, I carried my Bible to my cabin in the mountains of North Georgia and determined to receive the baptism or die. I had taught an adult Sunday school class for years, but I was totally ignorant of the part fate plays in the reception of the Holy Spirit. In my cabin on Blood Mountain, God revealed the truth to me by fate. I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and entered a new dimension of walking in Christ. Carotter's Comments Since God inhabits the praises of his people, it is very natural for praise to bring a hungering for more of his spirit. Redeemed alcoholics and people with every kind of infirmity are drawn to his spirit as they praise God. Those who have been grumbling and complaining are transformed as they learn to fill their mouth with praise and thanksgiving to God. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Our next story is called Overweight. I have one problem that I can't get victory over. I have been overweight since I've been saved. I always thought I could lose weight anytime I wanted to. I was mistaken. I went to doctors, took diet pills, joined clubs, all kinds of, of diets, only to gain more. My conscience bothered me when I eat things I know I shouldn't eat. I try to diet, but I cannot. I really need a miracle from God for the answer. I have thought maybe I'm supposed to be fat. But I do not feel well at all. I'm short of breath and do not have enough energy to get my work done. It is not good for my heart, among other things, so I am sure the Lord does not intend for it to be this way. My husband does not like it either. I'm asking you to pray for me and believe with me that the Lord will teach, show, lead, guide, or direct me in this manner and this matter. I am not at all happy about my weight. I think about it all the time and worry about it constantly. My answer. 
Be sure of one thing. God loves you exactly as you are. This is very important for you to understand. You will ask for my help. Are you ready to receive advice? It may be hard to receive. Very often I receive letters from wives that read like this. My husband has always been a strong moral man and a perfect father. He is the last man in the world that I would expect to be unfaithful. But I have just learned that he is having an affair with another woman and wants a divorce. In many of these cases, the wife reports that the only problem they had was her weight. She believes she was incapable of controlling her desire for food, yet believes her husband should have controlled his desire to have an attractive, appealing wife. We have the freedom to, de to decide what we can't want most. We can choose to satisfy our desire to overeat, or we can choose to satisfy our desire to be happy, to have a happy home and family. A decision of this kind will be extremely difficult to make. You need the help that Jesus wants to give you. He died to carry all your grief. Ask him to heal you of your excess appetite and believe that he has done it. If you experience symptoms that you are not completely healed, praise God. Rejoice that you are exactly as you are. I believe he is using even your appetite to draw you to himself. One woman who was having a struggle with overeating wrote, I didn't see how praising God could help me stop eating, but I followed your advice and kept praising him, no matter how I felt. In the midst of an especially difficult time, I received joy that caused me to laugh and laugh. When this was all over, I knew God had met a great need within me. I was well, the excessive need to eat left. Yes, God is able to do a miracle and take away our harmful appetites, but he does not always do this. Usually we must choose what we most want to enjoy. Gratifying unhealthy desires for whatever reason nearly always results in our losing something that we really want much more. The freedom of choice that God gives us requires us to use wisdom when we select the pleasures we want. His love for us never changes, but when we make the wrong choices, we may have to endure unnecessary suffering. Now I will break their yoke from your neck and tear your shackles away. Nahum 1.13 now I will break their yoke from your neck and tear your shackles away. Our next letter is called God Uses Books. I sent your books to my daughter-in-law. She started reading Power and Praise, got up the next Sunday, and went to church. She didn't gone. She hasn't gone for almost a year. God fill her with the Holy Spirit and she is teaching Sunday school now. She is believing God to save her husband and children. Carotter's Comments Praise the Lord for the way he is using books in these last days. More people read Christian books now than at any time in history. God has put his hand upon the writing and distribution of books he wants many women to read. 
I'm thankful to have a very small part in what he's doing. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John twenty thirty one. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Our next letter is called Fear for Children. It was through my divorce that I experienced salvation. My first encounter with Christ. Then, 15 years later, one of my sons was sent to prison. As a result of this painful experience, I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Another son's alcoholism brought me to understand God as my loving Heavenly Father. Then God used still another son, my youngest, and his involvement with drugs to deliver me from a sick fear about my children and the terrible things they were doing. I had this fear deep within me, in my mind, and grief in my spirit. I knew I was a Christian, yet I had this awful fear that was nearly destroying my life. After I read Power and Praise, it set me to thinking. I saw that everything in my life was permitted by God. I rejoiced in my heart and thanked God as I had never before been able to do. I melted before God with praise and thanksgiving. I asked him to purify anything that would hinder his working through me. I gave myself up to him to do what he wants. I no longer want my way. I want his way. God really honored my prayer. He literally turned my mourning into joy and set my feet to dancing. He also filled me with a peace beyond description and filled me up with agape love. To me, it's wonderful. I just can't stop praising him and thanking him for all that he has done for me. He really does want us to have his joy. My comments. God permits only those events which he knows will help us. If in our ignorance or stubbornness we fail to trust him, we can lose those blessings and suffer much longer than we need to. If we try to figure out how a problem can eventually benefit us, we may be able to think of nothing, but God is not limited to our feeble minds. He can deliver us from the prison of fear. Again, God permits only those events which he knows will help us. If in our ignorance or stubbornness we fail to trust him, we can lose those blessings and suffer much longer than we need to. If we try to figure out how a problem can eventually benefit us, we may be able to think of nothing. But God is not limited to our feeble minds. He can deliver us from the prison of fear. 
Scripture says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our next story is called Husband Overworks. In my line of work, I frequently run into problems. It is my job to find the solutions. My work is demanding, and i always been very good at it. I take pride in my ability to produce. Unfortunate, my work often requires me to be away from my family at inconvenient times. I felt it was my responsibility to bring home the bacon, and it was my wife's responsibility to run the home and take care of the children. When I came home from work, I felt I had a right to relax and not have to face problems. After all, I did all that at work. I thought my wife was happy with our marriage, but now she has left, taken our children, and says she is considering divorcing me. Reverend Carruthers, there are many women who would be really thankful to have a husband who would provide financially for them as I have for my family. We have a very nice home, live in a good area of town, and my wife has never had to want for anything. Yes, she claims i never been a real husband and father. As I sit here writing you, I realize that there are ways in which I probably have neglected my family over the years. Yet I work hard to provide good things for them. Please pray for God to work a miracle for us. I want my family back. Should I thank the Lord they are gone? Carotter's comments. Like Martha, this man has been busy doing many good things, but he has left the most important thing undone. His first responsibility was to love his wife sacrificially as Christ loved the church. Jesus gave his life for the church. He could give no more. This man has not given his wife the love that she needed. Rather, he gave her what he wanted to give. The children are now suffering from the, his mistake, but it may not be too late. God has given him and us the opportunity to see that he also wants our love more than our works. This experience can lead us into a glorious understanding of the grace of God. If we husbands give our wives and children our love, but are unable to supply all their material needs, they will stand by us and be willing to help. If we give God our, our love, he will always be there to help us. As this husband and father thank God for the breakup of his home, the Lord will teach him things he needs to learn. God's power is released in our problems when we thank and praise him that things are exactly as they are. 
When we submit to his dealings with us, we grow in Christ until we reach that place where we can sincerely pray, not my will, Lord, but yours done, be done in my life. Joel 2.25 says, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. Page 160, I know the reason. I am confined in jail under a charge of armed robbery. I read in a philosophy book once that to live is to suffer, to survive is to find a meaning in the suffering. I have found that meaning. I am 32 years old, have served time in three different penal stations, institutions, and I am an alcoholic. I tried AA, read many books on Eastern religions and yoga, all without success. I came to Mississippi the first of this year after being out of prison in Kentucky for eight months. I immediately got involved in starting a drug rehab rehabilitation program. My ambition was to be of some help to first offenders, to keep them from going to prison by getting them probated to our program. I was very successful in my work and felt that this was what God wanted me to do. Somehow, however, I started drinking again. As a result... I am back in jail. To say that I was ready to give up would be an understatement. I knew God had a purpose for me, but I couldn't understand why he had let this happen. I was sorry I had been born. Then, two of your books, along with a handmade cross, were sent to me by a close friend of my mother. As I read Prisoner Praise, I identified with many accounts throughout the book. Previously, I thought I had exhausted every avenue, every possibility of finding a meaning and purpose for my life. But reading your book made me realize that I am where I am because God loves me. I am where I am because God loves me. What freedom that realization brought to me. It was a real turning point in my life. I am praising God for allowing me to go through and benefit from this experience. I am a new person. It's fantastic to think that I had to come to jail to be free, but it is true, and I have an inner peace that is beyond anything I have ever experienced. <clears throat> praise, <clears throat> praise God and His Son, Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. My comments. The Holy Spirit has shared with this prisoner an eternal truth. That God will use all things for our good if we will believe him. It's hard for many people to understand. But I know that he can find more peace and joy where he is than most people can find on the outside. Even most Christians expect to find joy in the things that they want. They have not learned to let God take difficult experiences and turn them into pure joy. His joy will help him with others to Christ, win others to Christ. In hundreds of prisons across the United States, men are seeing a real revival. We too can be use of God as we give him our love and careful obedience. 
For Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions, says Paul, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12.10 For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults in hardships in persecutions in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Our next letter is Wow. All I can say is that you put me on the wildest trip I was ever on. When I decided to practice what you teach about praising God, I stepped into a new world. Wow. It is it ever exciting. My comments. I wish I could include hundreds of letters that I have received similar to this one. Today is, as one man expressed it, a new ball game. God is the umpire, as he always has been, but now we know it. Today I am freeing you from the chains. Jeremiah 40, verse 4. Today I am freeing you from the chains. Our next letter is from a 16-year-old. I am 16 years old. I am writing to you because I read your book, Prison of Praise. It opened my eyes to what's happening with God and the Holy Spirit. I have been a very jealous person all my life. My girlfriend tried to teach me about God, but it just didn't sink in. I am writing this letter in hopes that you will pray for the Lord for me to become a good Christian. I have sinned so much that it bothers me. I want Jesus Christ in my life, but I just don't have enough faith. I would like to quit smoking and swearing, but I can't stop. I have no patience at all. I would like to become one of God's children. I would like to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I go to church on Sundays, but it doesn't mean no good. I don't get anything out of it. I want God to work through me. I want to become pure inside with all impurities removed. I feel like an idiot walking around sinning wherever I go. I feel a deep love for God, but I have never had faith in Him. I never thought that He answered my prayers. But I know that He will if I become a child of the Lord. Pray for me. My comments. Many thousands of young people are looking for the real answer. The traditional approach to go to church on Sunday will never satisfy their needs in today's world. The Holy Spirit is moving all over the land and creating a deep hungering and longing to know God and to love Him. This young person's letter reflects a hunger for a vital relationship with God that most young people want. Each of us needs to cry out to God that His Spirit will minister through us to meet these urgent needs. It is clear that although young people are engrossed in many kinds of harmful activities, they want to find a better way. The doors are wide open for you and me to minister to them. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. Isaiah 58.10 Our next story is called Tragedy. A 10-year-old little girl had cancer. The doctor said, we must amputate her arm. 
Many prayers were offered before the day of the scheduled operation. One night, Jesus spoke to the girl before the operation and said, You will lose your arm, but you will feel no pain. After the operation, the child proudly and confidently announced that Jesus had taken away all the pain. The doctors and nurses could not believe this and stood by to give a pain-killing shot when one was needed. Hours went by and days. The child continued to affirm that she had no pain. Until the time of the operation, her reactions to pain had always been normal. She was a living illustration of God's faithfulness to any promise he gives. Weeks later, there were signs of cancer throughout the little girl's body. Many prayers were prayed, prayed by family and friends. Some of them were angry. Her father thought, if God doesn't heal her, then I don't see how I can ever believe in God. The child grew worse. She, she read a book called Prisoner of Praise and thanked God for her cancer. As her body weakened, she continually thanked God and her praise gradually transformed her family. The father grew in confidence and trusted that God was working in his daughter's life. He fully expected her to rise up and be completely well. But the child's breath weakened until with one last effort she said, Thank you, God, and she was gone. The funeral was more joyful than a wedding. Hymns of praise and thanksgiving filled the church. God was honored as a, the giver of every good and perfect gift. Afterwards, the father said to me, Because of our daughter's sickness and death, we come into the most glorious experiences of our lives. We had never heard of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. God uses our daughter's suffering to help us know Jesus in a way we had never known him. Previously, we had known Jesus as our Savior. Now we know him as a close friend. God used what others might call a tragedy to fill our lives with praise and thanksgiving. My Comments the Father's radiant faith draws others to Christ in a powerful way. People who know him say, There must be a God who cares to make this man and his wife like they are. Yes, God does care, and he permits only those things to happen to us that he knows will bless us and others. The real tragedy is that often people permit themselves to be beaten down by the difficult experiences of life while they grow in grief and self-pity. The power of God to bring victory goes unclaimed. I receive at least 25 letters a week from husbands and wives who are experiencing what they believe is a tragedy. My husband has gone off with another woman. My wife has decided she doesn't love me anymore. With great care, they explain how the tragedy has not been their fault and how wicked and sinful their mate is. These outcries do not bring them one step closer to victory. What is the solution? We must all say, God is with me and he knows exactly what I need. He is permitting this problem in my life because he knows it will help me realize my greatest need. He loves me too much to allow anything to happen that will not in the future be a great blessing to me. 
Is this impossible for you to accept? Then you must live in anguish until you become willing to accept it. It is part of God's plan for your life. This is not to say that he causes marriages to break up or sicknesses or death, but he uses our problems to strengthen our faith and to force us to depend on him. Whenever we become so wrapped up in life that our ha- our happiness depends upon another human being, God knows what we need that we need his help. He often permits Satan to inflict whatever havoc is necessary to drive us into a position of trust in him rather than in humans. When we have learned that we need what we need to know, he is able to step in and flood our lives with the joy that recognizes him as its source. Did you hear that? He is able to step in and flood our lives with the joy that recognize him as its source. Amen. Jeremiah thirty-one thirteen. I will turn their mornings into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Jeremiah thirty-one thirteen. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. A diabetic. Our next letter is called a diabetic. Two years ago, when I was 11, I had to go to the hospital with the symptoms of diabetes. I accepted my disease and was well-controlled diabetic. Last October, my mother really got closer to Jesus. One day she asked me if I thought God will heal me, and I said yes. Then she read Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree anything as touching that they shall ask, it shall be done by them by my Father who is in heaven. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done by them by my Father who is in heaven. We agree that God would heal me, and he is doing it. My insulin comes down little by little. Praise the Lord. God, let me get diabetes for a reason. And I really do thank him for it. My life is an adventure now. I wrote you this letter because I wanted to tell you I learned a few things from your book, Prisoner Praise. I pray for you, and I wish you would pray for me. My comments. Thank the Lord for the faith of a child. We can all learn something from this simple acceptance of God's promise. Candy and ice cream can be pretty important to a teenager, but God will supply all your needs when they are given. But when they are given to him. But God will supply all our needs when they are given to him. The young girl could have endured many months of agonizing hunger for candy and other forbidden foods, but instead she has enjoyed the peace that Jesus offers. Out of mouth of children, you have made perfect praise. Matthew 21, 16. Amen.